lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. That's Todd Erzin. Aaron McIntyre is here, as is our good friend Shannon Joy. She'll be joining us here for the uh, Dace Group Friday Roundtable here in a moment. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us Email us there. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, Parlor, MeWe, and Gab. You can also follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And if you're looking for clips of the show that you can share without any censorship whatsoever and for free, you will find them at rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. That's rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. We conclude our annual sports throwback jersey week. I decided to go with the goat here at the end. The Barry Sanders Detroit Lions throwback. All time. All time goat. All time. Aaron, you like? I like that. Do you remember who beat out Barry Sanders for the rushing title, Aaron, his first year in the NFL? Was that Okoye? Christian Okoye beat him by like 10 yards. Wow. And Barry, the the Lions were winning the football game in the last week of the year. I think it might even have been against the Chiefs. And Barry's just like, the rushing title doesn't mean that much to me. You just pull me out. It's fine. So he was awesome. He was as a Packer fan, he's up there with Walter Payton in that you guys on the other teams in your conference, you just, you're like, dude, I wish that guy was on my team. Yeah. That's, that's some of the best compliments a guy can get. No doubt about it from the rival players or rivalry fans. All right. So today of course is a Friday. We will get to your feedback on a feedback Friday coming up here in the next hour of the show. But we begin as we always do with the day script. Your weekly look at the week that was brought to you by our friends over at Keeps. You know you've got a million reasons to be stressed out these days. Don't make your male pattern baldness and receding hairline one of them because Keeps has you covered with the generic versions of the same industry-leading hair loss treatment. So you're going to get uh, the cheaper versions of those exact same treatments, still FDA approved. And they throw in some great convenience for you as well. It can all be done online. You don't ever have to even leave your couch and then it'll be shipped directly to your door. So big savings, big convenience. How about even more savings to get you started? Half off your first order, half off your first order when you go to keeps.com. That's K-E-E-P-S, keeps.com slash grow. Again, that is keeps.com slash grow. We begin with issue one. Bleep, Lord Nefarious says. It never occurred to me after three highly effective vaccines were developed in under a year that we'd have difficulty getting Americans to take the shots. Y'all don't like it. We don't like it but it works. And, you know, we'll, we'll do what it takes. And if enough Mississippians can't make the right decision to get immunized, then we'll have to do the draconian measures that keep the health system operational. And we all pay the price. These shots need to get in everybody's arm as rapidly as possible, or we're gonna be back in a situation in the fall 
that we don't yearn for that we went through last year. If anybody is lying here, Senator, it is you. He, he has been vilified to the point that you'd think he was, you know, Lex Luthor. And I, I don't know how productive that is and that it's going, what might have been missed and the source of all of this. I get that. But to, to make him the target of attacks, I think that a lot of this has to go back to, you know, his, his departure from the, the former president, Donald Trump at the time. But whatever is behind it, I don't see it being constructed. It's just odd to me, but I, you know, at its core, he's a good man. Mitt Romney actually called out the morons on the right side of the aisle, specifically in conservative media. We don't control conservative media figures. I, I might have done better in 2012 if I did. It's an enormous error for anyone to suggest that we shouldn't be taking vaccines. And the politicization of vaccination is an outright outrage and frankly, moronic. The disinformation is online. Uh, the, the vaccine is killing, killing lots and lots of people, or it changes your DNA, or they're little microchips. None of that is true. That's also, true. they said that if you had COVID last year, you're not protected from this. It's like every year the flu changes. Well, if you have the chance, get the shot. We're having a low compliance rate. The Delta variant needs to be a wake-up call to get vaccinated. And as, as, as it says on the screen right underneath us, go to vaccines.gov for more info. I think everyone who wants to, everyone should be vaccinated. There's no reason not to be vaccinated. I'm vaccinated. My family's vaccinated. Some. That, that people shouldn't listen to people tell them not to. All these things that are out there that are being said are just not accurate. And if you get the vaccine, it reduces your chances of hospitalization yes. in the event you contract COVID. So important, 95% reduction in hospitalizations for those over 65 for elderly. I'm vaccinated. Encourage everyone to do so. It's the Trump vaccine. Enough people have died. We don't need any more deaths. People should get vaccinated. You know, the government's been telling people for a long time you shouldn't smoke. It causes cancer and heart disease and people decide to do it. And it absolutely makes sense for many Americans to get vaccinated. I believe in science. I believe in the science of vaccination. I, that's brilliant, but I was waiting for when, they, when Romney talked about politicizing the vaccine, the clip of Kamala Harris saying last year, I wouldn't take any vaccine that came from the Trump administration. And all of the various people on the other side who tweeted these things and said these things and said they wouldn't be guinea pigs. Didn't Biden even say I won't be a guinea pig for the Trump for a Trump vaccine? Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's get to the uh, the first question. Shannon is the guest. You get to go first. What was the best of our worst this week? Well, obviously, it is the mask coming off the vaccine Nazis at this point. It is like exercising demons. We are witnessing demonic pigs running off a cliff with the, they're throwing everything but the kitchen sink from intimidation tactics, coercion, peer pressure, now going to conceivably the conservative elite, Ron DeSantis, by the way, didn't make that newsreel, but he came out today with very similar diatribe to Mitt Romney's and, and Marco Rubio's and Sean Hannity's. And so at this point, the, the bottom line here is the Trafalgar Group just released a new poll. 71% of Americans oppose any type of coerced or forced vaccination. They believe it should be a personal choice. They are losing their minds because they are losing the narrative and everything. I posted this out on Twitter uh, just yesterday. The, it, it's everything, the whole enchilada, the brass ring, all of the marbles, everything comes down to forced vaccination because that 
represents government and corporate ownership of our bodies. It is 21st century slavery. It's everything to them. And that is why they are losing, losing their minds. I think we could probably just end this show after that. But unfortunately, <laughs> we've got another uh, almost two hours to go. So, Todd, go ahead. Oh, no. I haven't spoken yet. Okay. But that's, <laughs> why, <laughs> that's why Shannon's a cool chick, amongst other reasons. Uh, yeah. How? Every once in a while, it came up in some quirky way, or you, you followed me on Twitter. So you knew what I thought about this before uh, COVID came along. But I told you. I told you. What did I tell you about the magical thinking of vaccination? You just saw a full-throated religion right there. Oh, yeah. My favorite is uh, the, the grainy video of, like, the five medical poobahs in Mississippi who are telling you, y'all going to be back in chains. <laughs> Honestly. Jeez. What? It's the new slavery. They, they think they have that level of power of you. One of the they, great Joe Biden lines yes, of all time. Yeah. Yes. I'm just quoting the great man, the great dementia man. I, folks, honestly, if you, it, whoever watches that, I don't care who you are, Republican, Democrat, if you watch that and just nod your head and think, that, and if that's a symphony to you, I, whatever happens to you happens to you, man. I mean, you deserve it. It's that is so tyrannical, so unscientific, so debased. And here you are, Hercules, Hercules. You don't deserve this country. You just don't. Who is it? I, I'm, I'm asking. I, I mean, I've I've kind of been, and our show has kind of been one of the flag carriers to use a revolutionary war term when it comes to attacking COVID stand fair. Yeah. Who, what, what was Steve Ducey talking about with like microchips and all this stuff? Who's doing that? That's I've not heard like any stuff like that. What, yeah. what world is, did he just go to some cockamamie website and just that's every, <laughs> that's everybody's everybody who has questions. Here's my question. I just have, I just have a very simple question. I have a very simple question why I have not taken this. Their studies haven't shown me any level of efficacy for those who are already naturally immune. That is worth the risk of the virus or the risk of the side effects. And then they keep lying about the, the, the success ratio of natural immunity, which makes me suspicious of everything else that they claim along those lines. That's my, I, did anybody on Fox News address that? I'd like to because know it's the where was where's, where's eight months of of, of natural immunity ignorance. Where's it's, that at? It's because of the people in that room in Mississippi. It wasn't Massachusetts, Steve. You don't get to science them; they get to science you. Don't right. you understand that? Right. And in Mississippi, if it goes all the way down there, it's everywhere, and you don't get to choose whether you fight that fight anymore. It's going to destroy you if you don't. By the way, I think that was Dr. Marty Macari from. Johns Hopkins in that clip with um, Neil Cavuto, was it not? I'm not sure. I think it is. And it was. It looked pretty clear like he was flummoxing and frustrating uh, Neil uh, Neil's attempts to try to resurrect uh, Lord Farquaad's image there. So if I'm right about that, props to Marty for that. I, I, I don't know anything about magnets or microchips. I've not, 
I've, I've not discussed any. I've never even heard that stuff. I, I've, I mean, I've just talked to some very highly decorated epidemiologists, doctors and scientists and cardiologists here on the show. And I've just looked at their yeah. data and they ignore natural immunity and they can't make the case for me that the risk of injecting that spike protein into my body with natural immunity would, would give me any better um, uh, resistance to COVID than what I already yeah. was given. They can't, right. that, that's my, if you can answer me those questions, but. but that, well, they get to science you. And also if it's not about magnets now and chips now, it will be. Cause remember when that gay marriage thing wasn't about all the stuff that is shoved down our throats now, oh, yeah. it will be, you'll be microchipped. Aaron, what do you think? I, I, slippery slope logic there, Todd, which the reason usually, the reason we're usually given uh, for why slippery slope logic is a logical fallacy. Well, if you use uh, slippery slope uh, arguments, eventually you're going to end up. <laughs> anyway, um, nice. so a, a couple of things here, the, the whole magnets that and then Marco Ruby, all the stuff you're hearing, it's just not true. This is a, a classic. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it not be a, a, a Politburo tactic or a ruling party tactic? If you have any concerns about X, Y, and Z, it obviously means you believe X, Y, Z, and A again. Um, if you have any concerns about the vaccine, you obviously think that it's full of magnets and, and microchips and things. It's just a tactic. It's, it's classic disinformation, if you will. My favorite ride on the crazy train this week was uh, Steve Ducey. Did you catch the clip in there where he said, if you've had COVID before, if you had COVID last year, that immunity will not protect you from this strain. So everybody needs to get vaccinated. <laughs> what does the vaccine do then? It wasn't it designed. Wasn't it designed for that for the very first strain? Or is it just is it, it does it do something else because it's not a, actually a vaccine? That's my favorite ride on the crazy thing. Probably the the stupidest thing I've I've heard this week as well. He's the scientist, right? Wasn't he a meteorologist or something, I believe? Sure. Okay. Uh, let's get to the exit question. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being the likelihood CNN's primetime ratings will ever recover, and 10 being the amount of security Tucker Carlson should probably have at this point. Rate this week's level of total depravity, Aaron. 10. 10. Shannon. 10. All right, let's discuss the next five years. All right? We'll do it here, first part, part to part one with issue two conservatism five years from now where are we five years ago conservatism was having an identity crisis of sorts the gop convention was just over with and donald trump had just been formally nominated for the republican ticket beating out a huge field of candidates like ted cruz Rand paul and others an attempt to free the delegates in order to vote for whom they wanted failed in frustrating fashion on the floor of the convention. Ted Cruz, Trump's chief rival during the primary campaign, told the convention audience to vote their conscience and got booed, while Trump Riley smiled. Establishment critics of Trump at best mainly feared a washout come November at the hands of Hillary Clinton and what that would mean for the entire country. Conservative critics of Trump feared a former Al Sharpton donor and reality TV celebrity from New York 
wouldn't actually govern the way he had promised. Supporters of Trump at best saw the first legitimate opportunity in Trump, the outsider, to drain the D.C. swamp and at worst break up the incestuous political class's power, at least temporarily. Trump campaigned on a largely populist America First message, railing on illegal immigration China and promising to bring back good-paying blue-collar jobs to a largely beleaguered middle America. But as a whole, there was a great deal of disunity and unease amongst whatever was left of the conservative movement about what had just happened. So that's where we were five years ago, which is a good kind of benchmark to assess where we are here five years later. Let's gaze five years into the future. Where is conservatism five years from now and why? Todd, I'll ask you first. Well, uh, Shannon, I might be stealing your thunder, but I I think it's going to be on two uh, waves. I think uh, locally, there's going to be great and heroic victories. And even in the losses locally, they will be victorious just because of the groundswell of energy, the injustices that have to be perpetuated to have get to push back and uh, make those losses happen. But ultimately will be Pyrrhic victories for the progressive cult because of the energy that grows around this. But I think at the uh, federal level, I honestly, I, this popped into my head a couple of days ago. So I'm just going to say it out loud. I think, yeah, uh, Trump runs, Trump wins, and, and and Trump, because of his age, as likely as I, I think he dies in office, and that creates such a cult of personality it, it, that we are still now struggling. With, we talk about Reagan in all these years, but mm-hmm. even in a more bizarro world sense, and, beca- and we'll be dealing with that at the federal level for the next, for the rest of our damn adult lifetime, Steve. Hmm. Aaron, where do you think we are five years from now on the right? Well, I, I if past uh, performance is indicative of, of future performance, then um, we're still going to be fighting mask mandate. No, uh, we're at a national level. I don't really think things look a whole lot different than they do right now at a federal level. I, I don't think things look a whole lot different than they do right now. Maybe I'm making too much of this. Probably am. I think a lot of a lot of um, what we'll see nationally, in terms of uh, conservative organization, will be impacted by however the Supreme Court decides on the Mississippi abortion um, ban after what was it, 15 weeks, 15 week abortion ban. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to actually. I think that's going to sway a lot of people. Maybe, if we're lucky, maybe um, to some degree give up on federal offices as a first defense against the spirit of the age. I think that will cripple national pro-life groups, take the fight back to the states. Um, But I think that will have a huge say on where conservatism is. Because if the Supreme Court rules in favor then that's going to that's going to have long reverberations. I don't think that's going to happen. But then, you know, uh, Trump, for one, and then national pro-life groups and then national politicians as well, they'll be able to say, hey, look, voting Republican really works. You got uh, the impetus for maybe a repeal of Roe. Uh, not a repeal, I'm sh- I should say, uh, but getting rid of Roe down the road. 
But uh, if they do not rule in favor of pro-lifers, then I think a lot of what Todd said is going to be true. It's it's going to be a very decentralized movement with var- various enclaves. The Balkanization is, well, we're going to make the Balkans great again. Um, we're going to go into um, schools. We're going to have little enclaves and communities everywhere where it's basically no-go zones, as you've described before, for the spirit of the age. Mm-hmm. Shannon, where do you think we are on the right five years from now? So I think things will look completely different. And I think we will see, if not a complete decimation of the conservative movement and the Republican Party, um, but it, it will look completely different. You know, Glenn Beck, about years and years ago, um, talked about the Whig Party, whatever happened to the Whig Party, right? It mm-hmm. was, uh, you don't really talk about them. You had you had the Democrats and the Whigs, and it was always the Democrats and the Whigs for you know, 50, 60, 100 years, whatever, back in the day. And uh, over time, as corruption set in and as uh, they became more and more alike, it, be- it you got to a point in the United States of America where the Democrats and the Whigs were essentially the same party. It was an issue. It was an issue that caused the entire bottom to drop out of the Whig party, making it completely, almost overnight, completely irrelevant. And it was that issue of slavery that really drove the new movement, which was the Republican Party. I think we might be in a similar situation on the issue, and I'm going to go on the theme that I started the, the program out with you on, is the issue is vaccines, because it represents the, the a 21st century type of human slavery, that is going to be the issue of our day. And any conservative that does not figure out very quickly that point, then they're going to have a lot of, of trouble being relevant in the next two to three to four or five years. And, and they will, I, I think, lose their influence. If you look at the movement today of people for informed consent um, on principles that are laid out in the Nuremberg Code, Nuremberg, or Nuremberg doc- Doctrine, our Constitution. Um, it's RFK and Naomi Wolf and Alex Berenson and then people like myself and like you guys. It's, it is a coming together of people who typically are opposed, those classical liberals with those classical conservatives. I think that will form the core of a new movement, a new party. I don't really, I don't really know how precisely it's going to look, but that will be the defining issue of our time. And uh, people need to get, they need to figure out very quickly where they stand on that issue because that's going to define everything for the next um, few years. All right. So Todd, now you've had a chance to hear what Shannon and Aaron say. I want to get your reaction. Pick one of the two that you find interesting and react to it. Uh, Well, I, I, I obviously find Shannon's interesting uh, because she and I uh, are have been talking about vaccines on some level for quite uh, some time. I'm uh, I'm less convinced right now, even with the data, that she's right about that vaccine. I agree that the bottoming out thing is exactly what needs to happen. I don't know that it's going to be vaccines because talking the talk and walking the walk are two totally different things. And whatever they might say on a poll... There's all manner of people, I think, who might chicken out on uh, on this front. I hope I'm wrong and you're right, though, Shannon. Well, Aaron, the, the, go ahead, Shannon. The, the, just the one thing I'll say, the, the only issue, you know, you can look at all these issues, immigration, borders, uh, the economy. There are all these different disparate I- issues that people glom onto, Second Amendment, whatever, Fourth Amendment. 
the, the issue of the vaccine affects every man, woman, and child on the face of the planet in a very real way. And the progressive left is showing no indication that they're going to back off of this mission. So they're going to continue to push, and people are going to continue to push back. That it, it is truly a universal issue, which is why I think, and, and you know, to my point, they're not going to stop. So this 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 cow is out of the barn, so to speak. There's no putting it back in. We're going to play this out. And, um, you know, may human dignity and, and liberty win ultimately. But I think it's it's already in play. Aaron, same question to you. Would you what stood out to you the most about either Todd or Shannon's thoughts on this question? Yeah, I'll just kind of zero in on the on the same thing here is um, I, I hope I hope that sanity will reign supreme and just to kind of not not really revealing what we were talking about, but um, something I told you guys last weekend via text. If people's reaction to data about the efficacy or lack thereof of vaccines, whether it's in Israel or now there's some new data I'm seeing out of the UK as well, um, all of these things, these experimental vaccines, if their reaction to this and then we go back into lockdown or some form of mask mandates. If the reaction to that data and then the reaction to those uh, rising case numbers, another case demic is, meh, we might just li be living in, in the end times and none of this will be relevant um, because I'm kind of with Todd. I don't see a whole lot of coming to Jesus. Now, my wife will tell, tell coming to Jesus figuratively. I, I would like to see that literally as well. Um, but what my wife tells me is that a lot of her... Uh, more liberal leaning friends though they are starting to get a little bit more frustrated and asking some questions uh about these types of things so that's that's a little bit more encouraging i guess but i don't see that happening very very uh very much in mass and then shannon finally your turn um i i think that you know everyone's point i think most of us for the most part agree that um, things are going to change. I mean, we are, I think we are in a reset, so to speak. And the question is, uh, we know what they plan on doing. We know what the larger plan is. The always the unknown is how are people going to respond to it and are enough people going to react? And the good news is we don't, we don't need tens of millions of people to be activated across the United States of America or even the world. We just need a small handful of motivate. And it's, so this battle is going to be fought on the periphery of, of the human population, right? Most people are sheep. Let's just be honest. Yep. <laughs> Most people are going to go with whoever is louder, more aggressive and more passionate. Steve, I mean, you're one of the, the best commentators on that point. When you talk about political will, I I'll never forget that statement that you made that we are not a, a nation of laws, but a nation of political will. Mm -hmm. That was one of the most astute observations I've heard anyone make in the past 10 years. It's absolutely true. And so there are a lot of unknowns, but I, I agree with everyone. Things are going to, they're going to change. Bonus exit question. And I just want a yes or no answer. I don't want you guys to delve into any detail at all. Bonus yes or no question. Do you believe that in the next five years, it could be revealed that either these are the last days for the United States or that we're living in, so to speak, the last days? Yes. Yes. No. Hmm. All right. Exit question. 
And if you would have asked me to predict who would have answered no, I would not have predicted Shannon. <laughs> um, true or false, conservatism as a brand would be best se- served by being severed from the tentacles of the Republican Party. But that would also hurt its chances to make a political impact at the ballot box, so much so that the juice, in this case, would not be worth the squeeze. Therefore, conservatives are essentially trapped. Is that true or false, Todd? That's false. They're already trapped now. Okay. Aaron, what do you think? Well, it, that is the trap I think they're in now. So you think it's true? No, I don't think they're, they're not m- more trapped okay. by making a decision. They're... I will say false because I think I think the political I think the political cost is the least of our worries right now. Play the long game like the left did. Do the uh, do our own version of the march through the institutions. That's what really needs to happen. That's what really needs to happen. Shannon, quickly. Yeah, mean? they're screwed. They're screwed either way. I mean, so that's, you, you think the statement yeah. is true? Yeah, it's true. Hmm. Is that bad? Pretty bad. Is it not good? I think it's good. I think that's it's why. Good. What do you've got to lose? Do you anything that's Rock not this. Freedom might surprise you. Yeah. It's a dilemma, because on one hand we're telling people we think that we're heading, we're we're at, we're at a cultural inflection point. On the other hand, we're telling them to play the long game that we all don't necessarily yep. think we have the time to play. <laughs> yep. That's a dilemma. Or right? a paradox. Or a paradox. That's true. All right, we'll come back. Who is conservatism five years from now? We'll discuss that and more here next. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network. All right, back here with the Steve Day Show, here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. A part two of this week's Day Group brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. You know, you may have upgraded a few things around your house this year after being stuck inside last year, but now it's time to turn that yard into a paradise with our friends over at fastgrowingtrees.com. Skip the big box stores, head to fastgrowingtrees.com. That's the world's largest online nursery. No more waiting in lines, messy car trips, digging through a lackluster selection. Just go to fastgrowingtrees.com. Choose from thousands of varieties of trees, shrubs, plants, expertly curated to thrive in your in your area and then delivered to your door in just about a couple of days. Whether you're looking for shade, privacy, fruit trees, or just added color for your yard, every plant, every shrub, every tree is shipped with a well-developed root system ready to explode with new growth. There is no better way to buy trees, shrubs, plants for your home and yard than fastgrowingtrees.com. Plus, the 30-day alive and thrive guarantee means your plant, your plants will arrive happy, healthy, 
and ready for planting. Now through July 31st, go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash Steve and get 15% off. Now through the end of the month, fastgrowingtrees.com slash Steve and get 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com. All right, back here with our weekly look at the week that was. Let's get to issue three, conservatism five years from now. Who are we? As mentioned earlier, five years ago, conservatism was having an identity crisis. Donald Trump, the outsider, newcomer on the scene with his curious ragtag group of followers and disciples. And then there was a smaller but still sizable group of conservatives and neocons who branded themselves as Never Trump during the meat of the campaign season. Donald Trump's inner circle was largely comprised of Steve Bannon, Paul Manafort, Roger Stone, Rudy Giuliani, and a few others. The main faces of the Never Trump movement were folks like David French, Bill Kristol, something called Evan McMullen, and basically the entire staffs at National Review and the Weekly Standard. Left in the dust, seemingly, was the largest grassroots organization since the Obama campaigns, a senator who was the son of a Cuban immigrant named Ted Cruz, whose star rose for his staunch fearless defense of conservatism at every position he'd worked at before his presidential aspirations were crushed by a businessman from New York. This isn't to relitigate 2016, but to remind you very briefly what the dynamics were like back then. So that gives everybody an idea of how far we've come or regressed, depending on your perspective, over the last five years in, in terms of who represents who we are. Let's talk about the next five years from now. Who represents conservatism five years from now, Aaron, and why? I'm, I'm not going to give you a specific name. I am going to give you a profile of, uh, of a person. Somebody with uh, Bernie Sanders level of populism and um, perceived, at the very least, I out for the little guy combined with uh, actual uh, Judeo-Christian morality, meaning um, governing or uh, rule by um, uh, selfishness, rule by resentment of, of those who have of jealousy, of those who have uh, more than you. That's not going to be tolerated. But those who do uh, more, do make more, get to uh, get to pay a little bit more, more, get to actually pay their fair share, if you will. So a kind of an economic populism uh, right there, and then a social conservatism. That's who has to make up. That's who has to make up the conservative um, organization, movement, whatever, whatever you want to call it at a national level. That's who has to. Now, who I think... Who I think will actually make it up is probably going to be halfway in between that and like a, um, I don't know, uh, let, let's say Lindsey Graham. Probably <laughs> somewhere in between that. So a little bit more conservative socially than a Lindsey Graham or a Mitch McConnell, but not the full Monty. That's probably who's going to make it up. Shannon, you may now speak as I cut myself. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, first and foremost, what conservatism will not be, I don't think it will be national leaders. Conservative Conservatism will not be Donald Trump. It won't be CPAC. It won't be a Fox News network. I think it is going to be redefined based on the defining issues of our time. And uh, you have to set up, you know, what are the sides, right? Who, who are, who, what are we fighting for here? And on one side, you have collectivism, fascism, socialism, corporatism, 
corporate capitalism, globalism, right? And the other side, you have individualism and free markets and sovereignty. And so I think that conservatism, the way we think that it is, right? Conservatism today is not what we think it is. It's a, it's a, it's a controlled opposition with, within the Republican Party, from my perspective. But what I think it is going to look like, it will be um, anti-lockdown. It will be anti-globalism, anti-corporation, and anti-forced or coerced vaccination. Those will be the tenets. That's what will uphold this movement. If you want to be pro, I mean, you can you can say the opposite. It'll be pro-liberty, pro-local control, pro-free markets. Hmm and pro-bodily autonomy and conform informed consent. I think those will be the issues and, and people will flock to that movement from, from both sides of the political aisle. It's, it's a question mark as to who those individuals will be. Interesting. She's got a whole hermeneutic laid out there. What do you think, Todd? What do you think it is well, five years more from now? more and more. Or who do you think it is? At the federal level, it's going to look like... Uh, Lauren, uh, is it Bobert or Bobert mm -hmm. uh, from Bobert, Colorado? Yeah. And then who, well, her name's escaping me. I hope from, it looks a lot like Lauren Bobert. Yeah, yeah top of Jesse Kelly's list. Uh, what, uh, who's the gal from Georgia? Like Stacey Abrams? No, no. Um, she's causing all the... Tr Oh, yeah. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, that one. Yeah. Okay, okay. gotcha. It, listen, it, it, it's going to look a lot like that. They're not exactly the same person, but both are clearly very very fearless i think uh lauren bobert Bo 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 excuse me is more effective and Keep more trying to turn it into a frog i know i don't know i, why I don't know why it. okay uh but it's uh, she's more uh, over the target and more uh but listen this because we didn't fight the fights that needed to be fought uh politely and with decorum and blah 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 now we're in this place where if you aren't fearless and if you aren't willing to look the person in the eye who calls you a racist or a bigot and just say, bleep, bleep, you, I don't care, you're probably not running, or if you get here, you're just going to get steamrolled. And these people draw attention because they're fearless. And that's a good quality under any circumstances. But if you're not that in these circumstances, you're not arriving. So... It's going to look like them for better or for worse. There's more and more people of that, of, of that level of just fight, 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 fight. Sometimes it's going to work out. Sometimes it's not. That sounds very Trumpian because it is, but that's where we are. I, I agree a lot with Shannon's analysis. I think there will be a clear decoupling of what it looks like, to use that phrase that's popular right now in another, in another line of conversation. I, I think there'll be a clear decoupling. Of, of who represents conservatism at a grassroots activism level. And then, and then the face that we see nationally in Washington, D.C. or on Fox, et cetera. Especially if your scenario of Trump sitting in the White House for a second term mm. comes into play. Uh, that that he, will he will continue in that case then to absorb all the oxygen in the room. Everything that emanates out of the Capitol, out of District 1, will all be der a derivative of him. And but I, I think on a on a grassroots activism level, I think it'll be far more democratized and, and and aligned along the slate of issues that that Shannon has articulated. I agree. I think there is also though a a an X factor here to consider. Because I also think given his age and health, I could see him having issues finishing a second term as well. Who is his running mate? Ooh. Because I think that is a factor about 
what this looks like, particularly what the face of it is nationally. For example, I happen to think people that right now don't have much of a chance of being the nominee if they ran, if he doesn't run, like um, Christy No, for example, like um, uh, Tim Scott, I actually think those are the names that are more likely to be VP yeah. for Trump as he just decides which group he feels he has to um, make, you know, appeal to with a token selection because he's just purely transactional. So I, like I would, I would put Christy Nome if we had a VP straw poll, like we had a nomination straw poll, Trump's done in the race. I think, I think Ron DeSantis takes a lot of oxygen out of the room and then Ted Cruz takes a good majority of what's left of that. And I think anybody else is just kind of deciding who is in third place mm-hmm. at this point. Um, I think if there, if, 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 if Trump does run, I think Christy Nome is an overwhelming favorite to be his nominee. Doesn't mean that I think it's automatic or anything, but he likes smart women. He likes smart women with that with with attitude, and 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 I'm sure thinks that white women is a group he's got to do better with than what he did in the last election. Tim Scott is somebody I think could never win a, a national primary in the Republican Party, but I think would absolutely be high on his list. Again, just I got to appeal to a, a particular group, right? Well, that person has the potential, especially if Trump can't finish a term, that person becomes president. And it, I think that's a huge X factor in our calculus here. Any thoughts on that? You're exactly right. I can't add or subtract from it. And you have the two people exactly right, too. Aaron? I think that is, I think that's correct. Because um, I don't think, you know, as, as much as DeSantis has in the past, I mean, the, the campaign commercials he, he ran reading um, Art of the Deal to his kids before they go to bed. You know, as much as he has cozied up to Trump and has really been um, a a version of Trump that actually has more accomplishments uh, under his belt, and I know Shannon won't like that because she's hung up on the vaccine thing with DeSantis. He's done a really good job. I'm so mad at him. (laughs) Vaccines, uh, your opinions on vaccines aside. Um, But I I, I totally see uh, somebody like uh, Tim Scott or, or, um, uh, heck... he could probably, Quickly. he might even go with Nikki Haley as well. I hate that, but I, I think he probably could go yeah, with that direction. I think he well. would choose Christine Ohm way before Nikki Haley. But let's get to the exit question. If conservatism's future representatives were a famous rock band, which famous rock band would they be? A, Queen, as in the classically trained musicians are largely unknown in the background behind a flamboyant frontman. B, The Beatles. As in a team of uniquely gifted performers, some more gifted than others, sure, but each of them still able to stand on their own, too. C. The Rolling Stones. As in a once iconic band that didn't know when to say when or how to evolve, and so they're stuck on nostalgia. Or D. U2. As in a band that has mastered the art of staying current without losing its original essence or purpose. Aaron. For now, I'm saying Rolling Stone. Todd. These bands are all way too good for me to compare to the conservatives on any level. <laughs> oh my goodness, uh, Queen. I was gonna say. I mean, your answer for where you think we're gonna be five years from now is essentially Queen. Trump's yeah. the Freddie Mercury here, right? Yeah, Queen. Yeah, Shannon, what do you think? It's it's a tie for me between Queen and the Rolling Stones. I can't decide. I can't decide which it's gonna be. I hope it's the Rolling Stones. I I would love it to be. B or D, the Beatles or U2. No, I am fun. pretty confident 
it's going to be either A or C, one or the other. And and whether Trump can get reelected again will determine whether it's A or C. If he can't, then it's C. If he can, then it's A. All right, let's get to issue four. Um, quick, here, here's, our, here's our, our kicker question of the week. Who else in the next five years, do you think, gets to speak at CPAC instead of me? Todd. Well, just today, she said that Joe Biden ran for president because he wanted to defend our, quote, fundamental rights. So it's clear that it's Jen Psaki. Uh. Jen, Jen Psaki gets invited to speak at CPAC. Dude, don't laugh. The, the Obama administration official at Glenn, Book, Glenn Beck outed as an actual communist. He got to speak at CPAC a couple of years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't laugh. She cares about fundamental rights. Th- that, that could happen based on past history. Aaron? A gay Christian uh, porn star. A gay <laughs> Christian porn star. Yep. Nice. Lock it in. Yep. Cinnamon or cinnamon sticks? Mm, yeah. Why not both? <laughs> yes. In fact, why not both indeed? Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. Shannon, what do you think? That was really close to mine, but I'll 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 drag up a name, um, a blast from the past. Milo Yiannopoulos, I think, is going to get the invitation before Steve Dace ever will. See, it's I close. think if his conversion is real, and his victory uh, from homosexuality is real, there's no way he's getting invited. I agree. Correct. If it's not real, I think his odds of getting invited like skyrocket. Am I wrong? No, you're right. Okay. All right, let's get to our predictions. Shannon, you get to go first. Go ahead. Um, so I think um, I'm looking at the FDA approval for these vaccines, and um, I think that we are going to not see FDA approval, especially for kids. So I don't think that's coming, and, and that's why we're seeing the masks come off, everyone. Well, the FDA has been putting warning labels on these vaccines. Quietly, it's gotten some media but they have been applying warnings to them at the same time that the narrative pushing them has escalated. That has yep. been an interesting dichotomy to watch. Todd? Yeah, there's something going on within the FDA for sure. Yep. We're going to see worlds collide and uh, pressure will clearly have been brought to bear on college athletes to get vaccinated via name, image, and likeness uh, business relationships. Yeah, <laughs> we'll give you the scratch, but you're getting vaccinated. I, I could see mm-hmm. stuff like that. Aaron? Uh, it's that time of the year again. As of yesterday, we were two weeks away from the Hall of Fame game for uh, the official start of the NFL preseason. And uh, it's time for my annual uh, prediction. I, I think the Dallas Cowboys are going to beat the, the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers 23-14. to 14. I've done that every year, except I don't Just, think I did it last year. But th- but this is the first time you've ever done it under the NFL flag that the NFL is gay. So it's a new world. True. Isn't? Yeah, true. All right, here's my prediction. And this is all I'm going to say about this for now. COVID-19's origin will eventually be traced back to attempts to come up with a preemptive vaccine for the next SARS yeah. or MERS. And we will learn that is why it's mutating so fast against our vaccination attempts. It is the alpha mutation of their own vaccines. That is my prediction. Dead on. Yep. Dead on. I agree. That was ballsy, though. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know about you guys, but when a chick says that's ballsy, I think I kind of like that. You take that. And you run with yeah, it. that's like the best compliment a guy could get, right? You want, yeah. When a Todd chick looks at you and says that's pretty ballsy, you want uh, Todd and I to take over the rest of the show? Today? I think I might be done here. <laughs> yeah. I, I, might, I might start my weekend early. Shannon, thank you very much. Good to see you, sister. Take care.
Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. You bet. We'll come back. Hour two is next with some feedback Friday. Stay tuned. Listening to Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network. Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Day Show. Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast at the conclusion of Sports Jersey Week. Next week, by the way, Superhero T-Shirt Week. Decided I'm just going to do them back-to-back, I've decided. That's just a regular week. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Well played. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Uh, you can also uh, like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. Follow me on Twitter at Steve Dace Show, And then look for clips of the show that you can sample for free and or share with others without any censorship blocking the way whatsoever. When you go to rumble.com slash Show. Again, that's rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. And then don't forget, we always mention this at this time. If you're a podcast listener, thank you. You have contributed as much as anybody has to the explosive growth of this show in the last year. Please uh, keep hitting that subscribe or follow button, whichever podcast platform you use may have a different term for it. Uh, Leave us a five-star review if you've got time for that too, because of those things help the show to grow. So many of you have done it already. And you are a part of this show's growth, and we thank each and every one of you for that. If you have not yet done so, please consider adding your five-star review to everybody else's uh, and do your part to help the show continue to be here for you to listen to. All right, let's get to some feedback Friday brought to you by StartMail. You know, data breaches are at an all-time high as hackers become even more sophisticated in their cybersecurity attacks. Email poses one of the highest risks to identity theft out there, credit card fraud as well as many other life-altering scams. And this is why you want to make sure you have the proper email protection because just one data breach can change your entire life. That's why you want to use StartMail. It keeps your email private, period. Every email can be encrypted, and protected with a password, which means hackers and big tech cannot read or scan or analyze or sell your personal information ever. When you delete an email from StartMail, by the way, it's gone forever. Another reason that you want to feel safe using StartMail, because it's all backed by the world's most robust privacy laws. They're also not using anyone else's servers other than their own, so they can't get parlored like Amazon did to them. All right, so start securing your email privacy with StartMail. Sign up today. You'll get 50% off your very first year, half off, big savings. When you go to startmail.com slash Steve, start with a T, startmail.com slash steve for 50 percent off your first year startmail.com slash steve all right to the inbox we go you guys ready to go yes you bet this one you're gonna like 
I am assisting my youngest daughter with her filing of the request for more information from Stevenson University, where she is to enter her junior year on their their academic scholarship following her initial submission for a religious objection to getting the COVID-19 experimental injection. Also, I'm facing a similar issue if I wish to continue my position on faculty at Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. I know that in complying, it will prevent significant risks to both my daughter's current and future health, particularly reproductive. As for me, I have a severe seafood allergy and do not feel the risk of taking the jab is worth it, nor do I want to impair my natural immune response should I contract one of the variants. However, my daughters and I apparently do not have liberty to say no to an experimental agent, nor do we retain bodily autonomy. Thankfully, I can resign and still be okay. But the situation for my girls is another matter, with my oldest wanting to get a job at the Montgomery County Public School System, where clearly they are forcing employees to take the jab. I'm a Blaze subscriber and faithfully listen. I keep you guys in my thoughts and prayers. You are clearly doing the Lord's work. It would be great if you devoted time to help people become informed about what steps they can take to fight this huge threat to their health and liberty. These are truly the times that stir men's souls. That's from Dr. Richard Lanham, Ph.D., Assistant Professor of Psychiatry and Behavioral Science at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. By the way, I received an update from Richard last night. They were able to get his daughter a a, a religious exemption at Stevenson University. So that is some good news. As to Richard's request of what you can do, because this is the number one topic I'm getting emailed about right now. Thankfully, we have a new ally. I've not had a chance to talk to him personally yet, but I hear from both of you, Matt Staber, Matt Staber at Liberty has decided to go ahead and enter into the fray on pushing back against mask and vaccination mandates, right? Already got a few wins. Good. Yep. I know Matt. I've known Matt for years, Okay. And, you know, yesterday we had Jim Bopp on the show. He's representing Indiana University. If that name sounds familiar to any of you, it's because early in my career I had a bit of a run-in with Jim Bopp while he was shilling for Mitt Romney as a fake pro-lifer. And I've had some other run-ins with Bopp over the years because he's opposed efforts to, uh, to enact personhood as a strategy to end abortion once and for all. That's why we had him on the show. Some people would say because I disagreed with him previously, and some of those disagreements were pretty vehement, even face-to-face. No. Now he wants to attack the premise of the thing we're attacking? That's exactly why I wanted to talk to him. Because it's what I have seen in the past kind of out of character for him. And I, I think here's good news. If, if we're at a stage now where the threat has been so raised and made so obvious that Steve Daces and Jim Bops are tactically aligned, then we might, we might actually have a prayer of winning this thing. Because one of the reasons we haven't in the past is there's always been this temptation to just kind of get the best deal we can get in compromise. Or we're not sure we can win, and so let's not take on the fight at all. That's what Alliance Defending Freedom chose to do when we asked them to get involved in going after COVID Stan, they they have done they've done some phenomenal work over the years on religious liberty. 
But right now, there is no greater threat to my liberty than COVID, Stan. They chose to punt, which is why when the opportunity to renew with them as an advertiser on the show, we punted. I, I just could not continue on recommending you donate to a, a legal advocacy organization that wasn't actually going to help us with the legal advocacy we most need. So if you would have told me, boy, that's something I would have never predicted. You would have told me at the beginning of this year, hell, you would have told me a month or two ago that I would punt on ADF led by someone who's been a good friend of mine for many years in this business, Michael Ferris, and have Jim Bopp on my show to just as a kindred spirit, I'd have just told you <laughs> negative integer odds. That's going to when monkeys fly out of my butt level odds. But why did I do that? Why did I punt on supporting Michael Ferris's organization and put Jim Bopp on the show? For the same reason I do everything else, for the truth. Believe me, if this was a popularity contest, we, we would be still promoting ADF and wouldn't have Jim Bopp on the show. It's not. It's a truth-telling, truth-pursuing, truth-vindicating contest. That's what it is. And even though for many, many years, I was aligned with the likes of Michael Ferris and against the likes of Jim Bopp, now, at the moment, we need him. It's Jim Bopp who's on the side of the angels, man. So, praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. And I think the musket you just gave me is named Naomi Wolf. I mean, I'm in. Okay. Dude, the other day, I retweeted affirmatively Andrew Sullivan. Why not? Why not? Because really, all we're about here, that's our agenda. May the truth prevail. And whoever we think is telling the truth and standing for the truth at that time, regardless of what they did in previous times, is who we're for or against, period. So that's the first thing we've got to do, Richard and everybody else fighting this. We're on the side of the truth. And whoever's on the side of the truth, we're on their side at that time. Because what's going to happen is it's going to be your supervisor at your job who agrees with you on a lot. It's going to be your fellow teacher who maybe is a fellow insurgent in the public school system with you. You see where I'm going with this? Mm -hmm. That's going to be who the spirit of the age sends to you to say, come on, man. That's where, that's where Jesus looks at St. Peter, man, and says, get thee behind me, Satan. Okay? So, is that our first one of the year? Or is that just a bug? I think that's just a bug. Just a, it's just a bug got in? Just flew right by me? Did you see it? I did not see that. I don't think it's a wasp. I don't think so. Either way, it was flying. It did not look. Yeah. It just looked like a big, fat mosquito. Sorry. Why isn't this thing? Anyway, um, whoever's on the side of the truth, back to the point I was making, that's number one. Let the truth determine your alliances and allegiances, not your alliance and allegiances determine the truth. Number two, uh, be willing to be persistent and pesky. Uh, refuse to take no for an answer. Number three, um, be willing to suffer. 
but then make their attempts to make you suffer, suffer insufferable to them. Make them famous. Put it up on your Facebook pages, yes. everything else. Make them famous. Don't let them do you in the dark. Shine the light on all cockroaches. Because ultimately, this is a pain calculus. And, and they have to feel that it, it, it would just be too much of a pain. I'm at the point now that when politicians door knock in my neighborhood, my door just never gets knocked on. I was at the doctor recently. No nurse, no doctor. Nobody asked me about a COVID vaccine. Nobody did. It's just like my name is on a list. Everybody's just like, just don't even, it's not, it's not worth it. You want to be on that list. It ain't even worth it. Don't, don't, don't try to do it to that person because they're going to make our lives suck. And it's 15 minutes of my life I can't get back or worse. I don't. Be that level of insufferable. And not in a, I'm a douchebag way. It's in a, I'm not going to, I will not be your um, speed bump. I'm not going to get curb stomped by you kind of way. Don't come at me unless you want a response. A woman sent me a note the other day. Um, her physician came to her and started really pushing the COVID vaccine on her. And again, I'm not here to tell you not to take the vaccine. In fact, I even recommended to my mom to take it. With all due respect to all of you, I love my mom more than all of you. And I recommended that she take it. I'm just interested in the truth. That's it. That's all I'm interested in. What is true? But she had some reservations, so she started asking some very specific questions. And her doctor got so frustrated with her, she just dismissively waved her hand, walked out of the room, and said, this is just all political. That doctor is in a cult. That doctor is not a physician. She's a carrier pigeon with a degree. You can't, you can't even, she's wanted to ask, answer questions. You can't even answer her questions. To dare have questions, to dare think for myself. That's the level of insufferable I'm talking about. Not to just automatically treat people poorly, but to let them know there will be a cost if you step to me. I'm not a lemming. I'm not a mark. I'm prepared. I'll have questions. I may end up agreeing with you. I may be like, okay, I'll take the jab. But that's going to really be up to your ability to answer my questions. Not about your ability to push it on me and intimidate me. I'm not easy. Any thoughts on that? Well, first, can, did, did you say where she's from? Who? Who are we talking about? Which one? Which, what are we talking well, about? In writing the letter. Oh, he's from Johns Hopkins. I already, from, yeah, I already he, said that. that. That's right. Well, you have to be prepared to uh, move. That's not a new piece of advice on the Steve Day show. Uh, but even though that's the last resort, you have to park your mind there. Because if you can't do that, then what's the rest of it all for? Uh, yeah, I'm going to say no. I'm going to sign whatever exemption I need to have. I'm going to make you keep telling me. No, and then I'm going to publicly highlight that. Again, that's not theoretical from Steve. You obviously, he's Steve. You know he means that. Uh, but in a case in point, in practice, that's exactly why I've been successful in the Carlisle School District, doing exactly what he's talking about. 
Yeah, everything you try on me will be measured by the sunlight test. And I have seen them scurry like cockroaches when they realize uh, it's it. And this is my point uh, earlier on the show that talk the talk versus the walk the walk. I, I don't I don't talk talk that I won't walk. But most people you'll find aren't that way. Even the bullies. Even the bullies. Sometimes especially the bullies. So you you just have to be willing to get in this arena and get muddy and nasty that way. It's gonna and a lot of you that's what you're terrified of. You you just want a process, you want to be a nice person, you want to if you want that more then, You got no shot. Yeah. No you it yes. won't matter how much information exactly. from us you learn or exactly. anything else, you're done here. You're just done. Yeah. It, it's what our buddy Jesse Kelly says. Better get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yes. And then making other people uncomfortable. And again, not because you're treating them poorly, because you're just not going to be uh, a footstool. You're not going to be roadkill. You're going to push back. Um, an individual emailed you. You passed it along to me this week, Steve. Um, yeah, said the wife is a nurse, I believe, in a health system that is going to be requiring vaccinations. And does Iowa have a vaccine passport ban? And um, you know, any advice? They just moved in. He and his wife are young. They just moved into their first home, uh, so they're kind of at a loss. And um, I responded to him. And there's a little bit more to it, but I'm not. Uh, it's it would just be counterproductive to reveal it publicly. But um, the, the end of the day, uh, if nothing else, we're pretty much my wife and I at our at our um, uh, in our situation and and where she works likely going to be outnumbered. Um, but there is a potential for a leverage play, a pretty effective leverage play, at least in the short term. Um, but I don't really want to get into that. But we just decided we're probably going to be outnumbered at the end of the day. It'll make a lot things a lot tighter for us. Uh, but we're just going to make them fire her, let her go, uh, if it comes down to it, over this vaccine issue, if they do start mandating it uh, at her hospital. That's a really tough pill to swallow, especially with um, a, a new baby on the way. But that's just the decision. We want to have more kids, <laughs> okay? It kind of, um, I would rather be tight now and have the ability to have uh, more kids in the future or uh, rather than uh, making a lot of money and having no kids because what's, what's the point of that then? Uh, not really much other than selfishness. Um, that's a really hard calculation. Everybody can make their own calculation. But based purely on, you know, on the health reasons that we've documented and just the uncertainties and the long-term uncertainties as well, that's just the way that we're going to go. It's going to be really hard, really tight for some people. For a lot of people, is that the price you're willing to pay? After you've done all you can to fight back, to leverage, moving isn't cheap either. But that's going to be that. It's for some people that's going to be the price that you have to pay. Hmm. Let's continue on here. Um, this one is from Ryan. He says, uh, "I'm a COVID survivor with natural immunity since March of 2020. Still waiting for my awareness month. I'm writing because I've recently had an introspective realization about myself, and I'd like your thoughts. I'm going to assume that you remember when Rachel Maddow had that embarrassing on-air moment in which she explained just how deranged the Branch Covidian cult has made her. Actually, I guess I really need to narrow that down. In short, she was excited about Lord Fauci decreeing new relaxed COVID 
restrictions for the vaccinated, the truly devout followers, but she was distressed by the prospective consequences of giving up her talisman. She was concerned that there would certainly be very dangerous science deniers and Trump supporters lurking in public, simply taking advantage of the relaxed restrictions. Even more, she was concerned about having to reprogram herself to not automatically see a maskless face as a dangerous enemy or be confused as an enemy. I recently caught myself having similar tribal thoughts about masking albeit far less psychotic. I would never debase myself to the point of drawing a direct comparison between myself and Rachel Maddow, but I wasn't exactly thrilled from my perspective and would like to hear your feedback. Here in Arizona, we got a mask mandate later than some states, sooner than others for the past couple of weeks. Hardly anyone was masking. No one was enforcing it. Gradually, more people voluntarily complied and eventually businesses started to enforce it. I held, I held out until enforcement started, then I yielded. So for most of 2020, basically everyone here was masked. I started experimenting with a defiance around October, first removing my mask after I was inside, then walking in without wearing one, but one with one in my pocket, finally just going maskless all the time. I was maskless everywhere and always months before our mandate was lifted. As happy as I am now to see most people here unmasked, I have realized that I miss seeing the other maskless people 50 feet away at the grocery store, then exchanging an understanding nod with them. It was two months after our governor lifted the mask mandate before I finally started encountering a majority of maskless people. So I caught myself at the grocery store the other day questioning how many of these maskless people have been are all in for COVID stand, blindly following the experts or just going along to get along. I have realized that, like Rachel Maddow, the mask became an important symbol to me to also identify and categorize people. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Keep fighting and inspiring. I will share my thoughts and get Todd's and Aaron's here in a second, right after I tell you, though, about our friends over at Omega XL. If you're struggling with chronic pain, not a boo-boo, not an injury, but this is the, the chronic variety, the achiness, stiffness, soreness that just won't go away, make sure you check out a product backed by 35 years of clinical research, an all-natural anti-inflammatory that I happen to use each day as well, known as Omega XL. And if you want to give Omega XL a shot, you can buy one bottle, get your second one for free right now. If you go to OmegaXL.com slash Steve, again, that's OmegaXL.com slash Steve. And if you're old school, you want to give them a call or maybe you're driving right now. And so you don't want to, you know, uh, text or, or, or visit websites and drive, uh, give them a call 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. Let me say to Ryan, and then you guys can agree or disagree. I'm extremely sympathetic with your sentiment. But, but, ultimately, we're here to set captives free. Right? And I don't, as, as I get what you're saying. It, it kind of let you know where everybody stood from the other perspective. Just like the way they looked at you, you were like, you know, Tukin, this is a double-edged sword. Now I kind of know where you're at now. I know who the, the lemmings and the sheeple are around me, right? I'm not saying to, to dispose of that knowledge. Keep in mind that there were probably a lot of bro dudes listening to Joe Rogan's number one podcast, talking Civil War, who, you know, kept masking their three-year-olds to go to Costco, okay? You're not fighting a Civil War, dude. You won't go to Costco without a mask. You know what I mean? Okay, so come on. So, dude, hold on to that knowledge for future reference. When it goes down, you kind of know who not to invite into the, the foxhole with you, right? But beyond that, no, we we, we, we want to see, we want to let freedom ring. 
Okay, so I, I believe me, I get the inclination. I'm tempted by it myself. But ultimately, we want to set captives free. So I, I don't want to see a mask on anyone, especially those most deserving of it. Yeah, I, uh, the, the impulse it, to feel like you were fighting in a way when you often felt helpless is understandable. I, I, the feeling of helplessness, I, I'm not used to feeling helpless in many circumstances. Um, but I, I have a lot in the last year and a half. So at the amount of time thinking, no matter how, how much I game theory out this best version of life for my family, like it is, it, it's all going away. It, it's it's something that's not reality anymore. The dystopia is here. So when you would find the pockets, I, I get the desire for the control, uh, but uh, it's not something ultimately that is truly uh, edifying. Your it it's it, it's no great thing to have figured out the truth. Yet, compare yourself. Who are you comparing yourself to? Ultimately, we're comparing our, our, ourselves uh, to the Lord above and being created in, uh, in His image. If we're just comparing ourselves to the sheep, that's a pretty low bar to be mm. comparing ourselves to. Although, yes, been there, done that, my friend. So I get it. Okay. Where we go next here, let's go to this one from Patrick. Says you talk a lot about the premise of an argument, or point, uh, or point in which you or someone is making. Um, when it, you guys are phenomenal when it comes to identifying such things and structuring your response based on a said premise, I myself struggle with that. Can you help or give guidance in ways of identifying premises and give examples, please? The premise of an argument is the basis for the argument. It's what the argument is really about irregardless, which isn't a word, but I love using, irregardless of what the person wielding the argument says their argument is about. It's really about the premise of the argument. For example, when, whenever there is, a, there is a, a, a mass shooting in America, the other side will immediately go to, and that's why we need gun control or more gun confiscation. Completely overlooking whether, regardless what the, the laws in that particular state are for guns, overlooking whether or not this was a gun-free zone, right? So uh, here we are in Colorado, the, the, the Aurora movie theater shooter. It's clearly a gun-free zone. He comes in with a gun, despite the fact it's a gun-free zone, uh, and begins murdering people, which mean, can only mean, therefore, the only solution possible is to really make it a gun-free zone and take even more guns. I mean, see, tight, man. Tear yeah, tight. yeah, yeah. So that's telling you the premise of their argument. They're telling you it's really about saving people. It's not. the 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 real premise of their argument is it's about disarming people. That's really the premise of their argument. So a premise is what the basis of an argument is about. And then can it follow through? If you can have a flawed premise. If, you ba- if, if the basis of your argument 
and then the 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 structure of your argument or the way you make your argument doesn't line up with it um and 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 that's where you get into a flawed premise that's where we did this with abortion for years we believe all life begins at conception but we put up like no legislation that said all life began at conception and instead put up legislation that said, hey, you know, if the baby's at 18, 19, 20 weeks and doesn't wince in a sonogram, then by all means vacuum out its innards, right? Yes. That, that's a flawed premise. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and, and whoever, if your premise is flawed, you cannot win the argument. That's a law of philosophic philosophy and argumentation. A flawed premise cannot win an argument. Kings and rulers point swords and guns at people all the time with a flawed premise. Eventually, they assume room temperature. Pontius Pilate uttered a flawed premise, even to the point of a fallacy to Christ. Ah, what is truth? Chaos Veritas. We restructured the entire world around the, the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Pontius Pilate is, is, a, is a panned figure. That's what a flawed premise gets you. So whoever's premise is allowed to be established in an argument always wins the argument. If I, if I try to debate you on the basis of your argument, I'm debating your basis. You want to debate your basis. That's why it's the basis of your argument. No, I want you to debate the basis of mine. And then if you have a flawed premise, that argument's always going to lose. Eventually, Sometimes it takes time because the person uttering the flawed premise has more guns than you and more soldiers. But eventually, flawed premises always lose. Is that a good answer? Yeah. Guys, have anything you want to add here in about 20 seconds? Uh, Know what you believe and do not give the asker of the question too much credit because that's why you don't even realize the premise a lot of the times. That's very good advice as well. We'll come back with more Feedback Friday here coming your way on the program and we're going to get into a question that about victory and vindication. I think you're going to want to hear the answer to that and more next. The truth, straight, no chaser. Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network. You guys know I love Built Bar. It is America's best protein bar ever. The best tasting protein bar of all time. Which is why it's now the official sponsor of the U.S. Olympic track and field team that one Ainsley Erzin may make an appearance on in the uh, in the not-too-distant future. We shall see. But uh, up to nine delicious daily flavors. And then there's the limited time ones those are always great too uh, all of them covered in real chocolate all of them taste great all of them are nutritious i mean like the average built bar has 17 grams of protein only 130 calories only four grams of sugar and only four net carbs even their more decadent limited time flavors don't do much worse than that you can't beat it 
and especially you can't beat it for taste. And if you want to try it right now, it's one of my favorite products I've discovered in the last couple of years. Built.com, B-U-I-L-T, that's the website. Built.com, use my last name, Dace, as a promo code. Get 15% off your order. 15% off your order when you go to Built.com and use the promo code Dace. Let's get back to some Feedback Friday. This is from Elliot in Virginia who says, you guys discussed in a recent show the difference between victory and vindication. It made my mind jump to Donald Trump. I think he's an excellent example of this discussion. How many times did he achieve political wins for our causes when he went to victory? And then how often did he or we lose when he was out to vindicate himself? Even our political culture, the chance to defeat whatever Democrat is on the ticket in 2024, would likely come down to if Trump wanted victory or if he wanted vindication. Yep. There's a reason why I said, if Trump is running again, because they robbed him of his presidency with fake news and fake scandals, I'm in. If he's running again because they robbed him in the last election, and I believe they did steal it from him, but if he's running for that, eh, because that's having a score to settle. The first one is, I've got a legacy to fulfill. The second one is, I've got a score to settle. Anybody with a penis can tell you, those are two totally different things. Amen on that? Yep. Those are totally different. And that's one, one is driven by purpose. The other is driven by ego. And your purpose can be driven by ego, but your ego cannot be the purpose. I don't just put all the work it takes to do this show and be as informed as I need to be simply because altruistically, I just want to be the best truth teller I can. I wish that was the case, but I'm a sinner. I'm a guy. I've got an ego. It's also because I want to be the best damn host I can be at the exact same time. So your, your, your ego can drive your purpose, but it cannot be the purpose. And this is one of the reasons why when he was president, our show, I, we just didn't care about pissing contest and didn't get involved and didn't care one way or the other. Felt no need or desire or calling to defend him uh, or his name unless he was defending something I believed in. And then I did. And if he didn't, I don't. And you should do the same thing with us. If we're not telling you the truth or we're making it all about us, don't defend that. Don't defend us because we're your favorite show. Let us be your favorite show because we earned it with how we serve you. And so that's the difference between victory and vindication. Vindication is when we want recognition. We want the W. Vindication is when we want a higher cause, our highest purpose, or our creator to have those things. And here's the cool thing. You know, it's the old C.S. Lewis line, you aim for earth, you get uh, aim for heaven, you'll get the earth thrown in, you aim for earth, you get neither. Here's the funny thing. When we pursue vindication, we tend to get that whole victory recognition thing we want in the process, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It's amazing how that works. Any thoughts on that? No, perfect. Indeed. Okay. Big fan of the show. I wanted to share a personal tale of America overcoming racism. My great-great-great-grandfather was born in 1843, second-generation English-Scottish immigrant, worked as a farmhand for room and board on an Arkansas farm, 
wounded at Shiloh as a Confederate soldier. Recovered family documents show no thoughts of racial animus, but dedication to improve social standing for future generations. My great-great-grandfather was born in 1870, worked on the same farm as his father until he purchased a portion of the land in 1892, operated the farm with family labor. He fathered 14 children, 12 lived beyond childhood, recovered personal diaries reflect racial animus toward free blacks based on notions of allegiance to Confederate legacy and discontent with Reconstruction policies and outcomes. My great-grandfather was born in 1901, worked on a family farm, assisted with expansion of farm operations, along with several siblings. Recovered business documents show deliberate refusal to employ blacks based on racial animus. Southern Democrat voter and political operative. My grandfather was born in 1931, early childhood scarred by the Great Depression, harbored anger toward blacks and had misguided nostalgic sympathies for Confederate Southern culture, moved family to Yazoo City, Mississippi, disagreed with national movements toward racial reconciliation, supported segregation, devout Southern Democrat. My father was born in 1951, raised with basic principles of white and black society common in the segregated South, a senior at Yazoo City High School when U.S. Supreme Court instituted forced integration, carried racist ideas and racial animus into a career in the U.S. military. He spent 20-plus years there with service and experiences outside of Yazoo City, Mississippi, ended up fostering a Christian conversion from him and a rejection of racist ideas. Me, I was born in 1979, raised on military bases, taught to view the world with no acknowledgement of racial identities, colorblind, and focus on content of character, married to a wonderful Christian woman who is black. We have three mixed-race children. Moral of the story, it took two generations for poisonous racist ideas to permeate into this family, then two generations for these poisonous ideas to be completely removed to the point where my father now embraces his black daughter-in-law and black grandchildren without hesitation or condition. American racialism, that segment of the spirit of the age, wants to forfeit my family's progress from racist pasts to colorblind presence for political advantage and cultural revolution. We will not comply. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That is from Thomas Sutterfield. That should be chiseled into stone and made into a monument that's put on your local town square because that is an alpha and omega letter of truth, and I'd be happy and honored to shake your hand someday for writing it to us and sharing it with the world. Amen. Amen, indeed. Because those types of stories... um, they should be more they should be more common because I, I think let's just be brutally honest here because we weren't being brutally honest before. Let's be brutally honest here. Um, there is because of the race or the racialist and the racialism and the Marxism um, espoused by Black Lives Matter and uh, and and um, uh, their ilk, we have a tendency to whitewash or forget about based on what's in front of us right now what's being called the civil rights in front of us right now which is just racialism we have a tendency i think to uh, forget about the country's past to some degree Mm -hmm. and so to recognize and i think we had this conversation a, a few years ago i can't remember in what context you know a lot of people in my generations not so much maybe generation z but 
Gen Y, their grandparents still remember to some degree, probably remember, if not their grandparents, their great-grandparents, but definitely their grandparents still remember um, at least what it was like in the South. So we have to be we have to be cognizant of that. And I'm talking about um, black kids of, of the millennial generation. We have to be cognizant of that. Um, while at the same time being able to being able to call out Marxism for what it is, which is Marxism. See, what the spirit of the age tries to do is what I tried to articulate last hour. Steve Ducey says um, the inf- misinformation about the vaccines is all anybody just essentially saying anybody who has a doubt about the vaccine must think that it causes your skin to turn into a magnet or that you're getting microchip. No, that's not true at all. What the spirit that's the spirit of the age talking right there. The spirit of the age says if you don't like Black Lives Matter, you must really think that America never had a racism problem, never had any sort of problem with prejudice at the very least. And you're, by extension, a racist. That's what the spirit of the age does. And so when we can hear stories like this, it flies in the face of that and totally acquits, and totally acquits the American dream, really. The true American dream. And uh, it's fascinating, and I want to hear more of those. Neil says, I'd love to get your take and Todd and Aaron's on imprecatory prayer. Is it ever appropriate yes. for believers <laughs> for believers today to say imprecatory prayers for individuals? What about organizations, meaning upon individuals or upon organizations? Keep up the great work. Well, imprecatory means to call down curses upon. In the Christian or Judeo-Christian tradition, it means to call upon the wrath of God in prayer. Okay? Um, and I would say absolutely uh, it is um, appropriate for believers today. But here's the thing, okay? The narrative of the Bible is that mercy triumphs over judgment, right? God sent his son. Whomsoever shall believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but so that through him the world may be saved. So the, 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 the arc of God's narrative more than bends towards mercy, grace, restoration, redemption. Okay? But that's not an absolute. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a hell, right? Right. Okay. So this is, this again, it, it actually ties a lot into our victory or vindication. When David is using imprecatory prayers in the, in the book of Psalms, These are being done because he views his opponents as trying to stymie his attempt to fulfill his calling, to serve God. Okay, and so what is your motivation here? I mean, this is a a prayer warrior version of corporal punishment, maybe even capital, to call down... To, to call upon the wrath of God to be invoked. Therefore, I think the offense has to meet that, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's got to be a little higher than Luther, you know, sitting at a trough. Lord, curse Erasmus, all right? It's got to be a little higher than that, I think. Like I've, you know, Lord, Close and shutter this Planned Parenthood. Don't ever let these people, don't ever let this building be opened again. I don't see a problem with that at all. 
so that the world may know that what went on here was an abomination in your eyes. But if it's about, so if it's about vindication, then it's, I think it's always a no. If it's about victory, then it can be a yes. But I think the offending party that you're attempting to interview, intervene in this way upon, the, we've, we've got to be past the, the, you know, shake the dust off your sandals. Meaning that it's clear that the, the message of grace has been given, has been offered. It has been rejected. And yet this stronghold remains. I think it's got to be at that level. Is that fair? Yeah, you definitely want to have a safety on this particular uh, weapon. So Both for your for your heart too. Yeah, oh yeah. So you That's don't get a hardened point. heart against yeah. against unbelievers that that God would still have a plan perhaps to redeem. You don't know that. If so, your filter, your safety, whatever whatever prayer you utter, if it ultimately cannot be held within the paraphrase of bring them low, so that you, Lord may be made high mm-hmm. walk away well because said. it has to function in that capacity yes that's very well said and your motivation for praying that is the implicit indication of whether or not what todd is saying is the case because if your motivation is selfish it will not be that if it is so that god will be glorified it will be that You know, trying to sell your home in any environment at any point in time can be one of the more stressful, challenging things, especially if you're trying to buy one at the same time you're selling. You're trying to line all that up, but especially in these unprecedented times. Bing. Thank you. Uh, You really want to make sure that you go into the real estate market with an agent you can trust, but also has a proven track record of success. You may say it's impossible to find such a person. No, it's not. Go to the website, and the name kind of says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com, started by Glenn Beck and his associates, originally to try to connect people in the audience who were frustrated with their agents with agents in the audience who, obviously, by you know, listening and enjoying the same content that, that they do, that they do uh, share a similar value system. And it just kind of mushroomed and, and grew, whoops, grew from there. That's why just about anywhere in the country you want to escape to or from, we can probably help you. At realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, two-minute warning here. Final thoughts. I don't think I got time to be uh, or fair or time to be fair to another email. So, uh, final thoughts in the day. What we learn, etc. Well, uh, final thoughts on the day. I with uh, Shannon on the show, and again talking about an issue that has got to cause the bottom to fall out of things. Uh, talked about whether it could be vaccination, but there's all it, it might it might be gender wars. It might be the thing that we talked about that's coming in next that we're softened up even further for. But that's it, it, we are uh, philosophically not strong enough to just oracle this on our own. Unfortunately, we need to be prepared for the issue. I think being forced upon us. Uh, I wish it wasn't the case, but I think that's true. Going back to something you observed after the, the first segment of the show, the first half of the, the day's group about how we're at this cultural influx or Rubicon right now, or maybe even a civilizational Rubicon right now of uh, staring down either collapse or something in the face. But also people like me saying, we got to play the long game like the left. Yeah, and both of those things are true at the same time because we have to fight 
like our civilization is on the brink, but still plan like we're uh, going to have children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren live in this country as well. That type of tension is a good thing to have. That type of tension is a very good thing to have because it really brings you up close to what you're facing and what the stakes are. That's going to do it for us. We're going to stick around and do an overtime for our Blaze TV subscribers, our best and worst of the week for the rest of you. We will see you again on Monday. Have an absolutely fantabulous weekend. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.